When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central simpler communications today's episode is brought to you by flex fantasy and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all when you sign up for a free account and download the flex fantasy app you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play and put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup it doesn't matter if you are on yahoo and your opponent is on sleeper you can import your teams to flex fantasy to face off you can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own so sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan this is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. It's week six, baby, and it's time to look ahead on this Wednesday night here with the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. That way you always stay up to date with all of our content. And you can check us out on bellyup.tv. If you missed an episode, never fear. Just download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices and look for the Belly Up Sports TV category. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. And download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us a five-star review. It helps me help you. Speaking of me, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I got a jam-packed room here tonight. We got Brian Scott, like we always do every Wednesday and Thursday, to kick this thing off with injury news, which we have a ton of going into our Wednesday matchups that we're talking about for today's episode. And then we have Chase Thornton coming on from our one of our top writers here at BellyUpFantasySports.com and host on, what is it, one day, two days, two days for Chase here yeah. on the Billy Up Fantasy Live show. Chase, how's it going, man? It's going well. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And don't worry, last but certainly not least, maybe even more important, the intern Danielle is here with us tonight. Danielle, what are we talking about? 
It is Look Ahead Wednesday once again, so we are going to be talking about the first half of the game's previews. And we finally have some bye weeks, so I didn't have to break my fingers trying to get the rankings quite done. They are up, by the way, on BillionFantasySports.com. Calm. Brian, how are you doing tonight? You've been having a long day, I know. <laughs> I've had a long day. I, I won't go into detail. I'll spare you the details, but uh, <laughs> it's been a long day. It's called the life of a medical professional, and that's yes. why his time yes. is so precious. So let's not <laughs> waste it. Danielle, we'll see you a little bit later with the uh, mailbag segment. Don't you guys worry. She'll be back. But let's go ahead and hit those injury inquiries. Injury inquiries. Oh, oh, oh. Like I said, it's a laundry list of guys. The good news is Washington gave us a blessing and decided to rule our guys active or out pretty early. Like Carson Wentz, he's good to go. Jahan Dotson, he's out. Logan Thomas, he's out. I will ask you this. Jahan Dotson, Logan Thomas, what do you think their probability is for next week? Well, if I'm not mistaken, this is Dotson's second game he's missing with this hamstring, yeah. correct? Correct. So yep. that's that's problematic. Um, we, we talked about, uh, a couple other guys, uh, over the weeks who've dealt with hamstring stuff. Keenan Allen probably big, being the biggest one where he actually tried to come back and then had to shut it down. So, you know, uh, I've said it before, uh, I say it a lot, um, hamstring injuries take a long time to get better. They're very difficult to treat. And even though sometimes you feel better, you really don't know until you have a chance to test it out till, until you see these guys on the practice field doing anything, I I'm hesitant to. They recommend you put them in their starting lineup right away because uh, these things take a long time to get better. Well, I hope you don't feel too much like a broken record because I got two more hamstring injuries for you to talk about <laughs> real quick. Kyle Pitts, he came back to practice today. What do we think about Pitsy? So the the biggest difference between him and the other guy we, we uh, that we just mentioned and some of the other players we talked about is uh, he's a younger player. He's never missed a professional game in his entire career. And it so sounds like this was a pretty mild injury and they were probably just being more cautious by keeping him out last weekend so mm-hmm. i he he when asked said he's going to be ready to play and i i suspect he will be this one confused me damian harris the report right away was that he's going to miss multiple weeks even the comments coming out of his own mouth didn't really seem all that optimistic but right. then he gets listed as a limited participant in practice today yeah not sure what that's about either but apparently although he was listed as limited he wasn't out there very long and was seen heading back into the locker room shortly after warm-ups that's so bill I, belichick games <laughs> that's well, what so, that is. it's yeah. funny that you say that because i was actually gonna say, say the same thing you know because mac jones is on our list and we're gonna talk about him too and i mean like all we've been hearing for the last few weeks is that mac jones possibly may play and mac jo- and it's the same you know talk we're hearing this week as well um Part of that, I think, is true. I think uh, uh, Belichick pulls a little bit of the strings when it comes to the injury report. <laughs> he's he's never quite clear cut on anything he does. Um, he's always kind of thrown some kinks into things. So I think that he might have his hand in this as well. But uh, as far as um, uh, Harris is concerned, he he was seen leaving the field pretty early, so he didn't really do much, even though he's listed as limited. So I'd keep a very close eye on that. I don't expect him to be doing much the rest of the week if he couldn't get uh, a one limited practice under his belt you know, on a Wednesday. So he put his clothes on and they called it limited. It's pouring his clothes on and then called. He basically it stretched. Yeah, he basically yeah. <laughs> stretched or did something on the warmups. And Came out, gave a bunch of high fives, and went back into place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I mean, you brought up Mac Jones. Yeah. What do you think? Um, it's weird because I I've read some reports that said that he's still dealing with some instability in that ankle, and that makes sense based on the early reports we heard that he had a severe high ankle sprain and then they were considering surgery, and that's one of the things that you deal with if you have a significant 
or severe high ankle sprain and you don't have surgery is that now you're de- left with possibly dealing with instability of the ankle. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of surprised, you know, early on when they said he decided that he didn't want surgery and that they were going to treat this and that he might have actually be back very soon. I don't expect him back even this weekend. Um, they're saying that his swelling has improved, which is great. Uh, but that's not the issue all the time. Um, it's the instability that's really problematic and concerning to me for me to hear. And you can put all the tapes and braces and tape the ankle as much as you want. Uh, you can only do so much to treat that with that method. I'm I'm still kind of surprised he never had surgery if it was as severe as they initially reported. So I don't expect him back anytime soon, at least not this weekend. Okay. What about Jonathan Taylor? They were trying to push him back on, on a short week last week, didn't ultimately go, didn't practice today either. Yeah, so the, I mean, I didn't get to look into too much of what's going on with him today, but uh, you know, not having not practiced and coming off a pretty significant sprain, now his was not, I don't think, a high ankle sprain. Um, you know, that that is concerning. He's probably still dealing with a lot of swelling and stiffness in that ankle, and until he can actually get on the field and do some at least some limited non-contact stuff, uh, I don't anticipate him coming in. Um, but he is—he's like what a third, fourth year guy. So you know, again, this could be more as a, a precautionary thing. Um, but until he, again, until he gets out there and you see him doing anything, I would be hesitant to uh, to expect him out there. Okay, I got a, I got a big question for you here because obviously, to a concussion, Bridgewater concussion, yes. Mike McDaniel saying Skylar Thompson is going to start this week either yes. way, whether Bridgewater comes back or not. But walk me through now what the concussion injuries are going to be like on Sunday because now it seems like anytime somebody bumps their head, they're just getting pulled out for the rest of the game. Yeah. So the interesting thing in this particular case with Bridgewater was that. The only reason that they put him in the concussion protocol was because apparently one of the spotters during the game recognized something was off when he got up and was walking after getting hit. And I think it was like the first series of the game or something. So it wasn't even somebody on the sideline that was the one kind of calling for the concussion protocol to be enacted. It was actually one of the spotters up in the booth. And that is why they're there. They're there to not just... Uh, identify concussions that may be missed, but just injuries in general. So and my understanding is that was a big part of of their overhaul of the of the concussion program because they they came out and said that everybody did everything right with Tua. It wasn't that he didn't pass what their procedure was. Their procedure was inadequate, and now they've gotten to where any sign of ataxia, they're they're taking a the guy out, and he's it's an automatic no go for the rest of the game, whether he passes or not. Yeah, so I mean, the spotters have always been there. Um, yeah. Why they maybe? I mean, they they are the actually the only people that have the ability to actually stop the game cold turkey, no matter when it is, and they actually have direct communication with the head official, where they if they see something on the field where they're concerned about a player that needs to be evaluated, they can stop the game right then and there, no matter what time of the game it is, no matter what quarter we're in, and they can get that player pulled off the field to be evaluated. Now, whether that happened with Tua, I don't know. But the biggest issue and the thing that they addressed recently with the concussion protocol was adding that word that you mentioned, Chase, ataxia, which is basically a very broad term. It just basically means like muscle, um, uh, lack of coordination with muscle balance and basically the ability to walk normal. And um, it's the cerebellum part of the brain that basically controls motor function. So um, it, it, it's a very generic term, but by putting that into the concussion protocol as one of the no-go signs, it, what they're thinking is that's going to eliminate what happened to Tua the first time where he got up and stumbled. And so you're going to see guys that show any any sign of like any misstep or something after right. a hit, they're going to get yanked at well, least that's, to be evaluated. Olave, yeah, Olave last week was taken out, I believe, because of the ataxia and the Teddy Bridgewater thing. Like the whole 
a lot of it. Like, like there were several guys this week that got pulled and I get it. It was the first week they're trying to figure out the new normal too, but yeah. But I mean, that like, has yeah. to go in, it has to go in conjunction with the other parts of the evaluation, which include right. a lot of the cognitive stuff as well as the, the physical exam. So it's, it's not just ataxia, but, but that's been added into the language and the verbiage as one of the no-go signs, which means they cannot go right back out. Right. right. So, and just, just so keep in mind guys, look, these guys bump their heads, especially right now and chase, like you said, until they figure out what the new normal is going to be. You might be losing guys left and right. And because they're being more cautious now with the concussion protocol in the following week, we might yeah. be seeing more guys miss an extra game on top of it. So some of you have to stay on top of this is why depth and we'll get into it later in the show is so important with the bye weeks upcoming and every week having to make adjustments. Depth is almost as important as having, you know, a jack stocked lineup. Uh, you'd be able to put out there every single week. I would just get on here with the list. Tyree kill. He practiced it full today. He's fine. We have to worry about him. T Higgins. I still feel the pain. I talked about in the recap show, but I still feel the pain of the T Higgins owner who sat there like, Oh, I got a great matchup here on Sunday night. And play 10 plays and never should have been out there in the first place to begin with does practice in limited capacity today. Brian, what do you, what do you think? If T Higgins is out there, are you feeling comfortable with it? What are you looking for this week? Again, with the, with the ankle stuff, you know, you're looking for them to at least get some limited practices under their belt at, you know, at, at this junction of the season that they don't necessarily need to be a full go in practice, but they need to get some limited action out there. You have to be able to test it out at least before you head into the Sunday, you know, Sunday game. Um, that, some guys will wait. Some some guys will wait till the the game time decision. But you know, usually that's more the veterans who are more familiar with their body, who are more experienced in dealing with injuries, who have some you know uh, more ailments that they might be kind of dealing with. But younger players, guys like T Higgins, who are coming off surgery over in the off season to the shoulder and has some other issues going on. You know, I would wait to see what they're doing in practice before kind of relying on them. That was the problem last week, though. He practiced in limited capacity all week. He was good to go. They even rolled him active early, even though it was a Sunday night game. And we still got, uh, look, at the end of the day, he was working out with his ankle injury the week before when he had a really good week, too. So yeah, if, no. he's, if he's practicing and he's active, unfortunately, you just have no choice but to put him out there. Hopefully, Zach Taylor doesn't try to screw you over again and actually put the player out there who should. It was especially when it's a Sunday night game like that. Like, right. if you it's a no noon game, okay, at least you got a ch- chance. Now, listen, this 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 also is, brings up a very important point. You know, we're, here we are in week six. Bye weeks are starting. Some guys are going to play through injuries in the hopes that they can get to that bye week, which will, will then get them over the hump so that they're not dealing with it or is not as affecting their play going forward. And T Higgins could be one of those guys. He might be one of those guys that you're not going to get 100% T Higgins until he gets to his bye week. You know, maybe this might be something he's just trying to tough out and they're willing to let him play through it. Um, and this is might might be what you get is what you saw. Um, so, you know, just proceed with caution. Let's get on to the Saints here because they got a laundry list of injuries. So we got Winston with a back issue. We got Michael Thomas with a toe issue. We got Jarvis Landry, who's just old. And then we got Chris Olave, who sounds like he's progressing through the concussion protocol actually pretty well. So run me down those guys. Yeah, so Thomas uh, has been ruled out as far as I know. Uh, Landry is likely going to be ruled out as well if he hasn't already. Um it sounds like uh, Alave is progressing through the concussion protocol. He's what they call stage three, which means he's been cleared to do some exercise, but nothing football specific yet. So um, he, you'll probably see him on the side doing some things uh, with conditioning or with the training staff, but you're not going to be seeing him doing any specific football drills. Um, that will be the next phase. So if he can get to stage four, you know, by tomorrow or Friday, 
there's there's a chance that he might be ready to play Sunday. You have to get through the five stages of the concussion protocol. He's apparently in stage three. Okay, that's decent news. What about Winston? Do you, you think he comes back? He was a limited participant in practice today. Yeah, uh, again, he's dealing. Again, this is a, a a veteran. He's dealing with multiple issues. It's his back. It's his ankle. Um, in there, limited. He hasn't done anything for two weeks. Um, I'm hesitant to think he's going to be all of a sudden ready to go back out there after a limited practice today. Um, you know, he's going to need uh, some more reps under his belt, not just to get himself in shape, but then to get kind of acclimated back to the team and to the game plan. So. I would keep a very close eye on what he does the next two days here. What about Rashad Bateman? He's dealing with a foot thing, keeps getting called day to day, but we still don't really know what it is. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to look into Bateman too much, but anytime you see a day to day thing, that could mean that they might be working it up a little further. Maybe they're looking to see how his symptoms either progress or digress over the next 24 to 48 hours. They may be looking at maybe getting advanced imaging. I, I hate the term day to day. Um, it, it lends a lot of confusion. Yeah, it really, they shouldn't, I mean, I don't know if that's an official kind of term. I think the coaching staff likes to throw that out there because they're probably not sure. Well, yeah, they got rid of the probable designation and they, yeah, they moved it in, but day to day. Okay. Well, great. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of a day to day for five weeks. Like, like, it's it's absolutely maddening. Uh, let's talk about real quickly, Gus Edwards, you know, he might be getting closer to making a return. What do you expect to see out of him on his way back after what you knew about his ACL injury? Yeah. You know, so originally I I had thought that he might be projected to be back uh, a little bit sooner. Uh, sounds like he's just taking his time from what I've read and I haven't read much today, but from what I've read, he hasn't had any major setbacks, uh, as far as I know. Um, but you know, uh, like I've said with the ACLs, you know, sometimes it can take to that 12 month mark before they're really feeling comfortable. A lot of it at this point is probably even more psychological to, for some players than it is physical. Um, you know, you look at uh, Dobbins, it took him a few extra weeks to come back, even though he was cleared at one point. So um, it's going to be a week to week thing with him. I hate the term day to day, but with this, <laughs> with this type of injury, it's usually a week to week thing. I only put these last two guys on the list just to annoy you, Brian. Um, <laughs> Wandale Robinson and Darius Tony. Robinson might be back. Yeah, he was limited. Um, Kadarius Tony, I don't see him coming back. Uh, Kenny Galladay is on the freaking list too now. He was missed practice today. Also. He's, he's fantasy dead, so I don't even bother putting him on yeah. there anymore. Yep. As far as I'm yep. concerned, if the Giants never suit him up again, I'd be fine with that too. <laughs> I think he um, would be too at this point. That's yeah, what he's been I acting like. So, that's just unfortunate because he's eating up so much salary space. But um, yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on with Tony. Um, you know, it, it sucks because he's supposed to be this big play guy. He's shown flashes of it when he's out there, but he's barely been out there. Sounded to me like he's dealing with two hamstring things, and yep. that seems to, to me that's like oof. That's a that's a flexibility and a prone thing. Now he well, it, it, like he's it's been an it. issue since he since yeah. he came into the league last year. He's had problems with this on and off. If you're so dealing I'm not with sure. two of them. Yeah, I'm not sure what, like, maybe it's something he's doing or not doing. I don't know, but right. uh, he better get a handle on it now, early in his career. Otherwise, uh, it's not going to be very long. Well, because once Kadarius Tony 2.0, otherwise known as Wandale <laughs> Robinson, gets on the field, yeah, exactly. Tony won't yeah. have a spot anymore. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're very similar style players, very similar kind of uh, um, attributes. So, I mean, there's only going to be room for one of them at some point here. 
because none of them are playing right now. <laughs> it's a race to get healthy. That's right. <laughs> Look, if you're in dynasty leagues, I don't think Darius Tony's going to be a giant next year. I don't think this coaching oh, staff I, loves him loves him to begin yep. with, and with all the injury history, I just I don't think he's even going to be on the t- roster come next season. So just kind of keep that in mind for your dynasty leagues. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. It's a shorter list tomorrow. Don't don't worry. It's a shorter <laughs> list tomorrow. I'll be able to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everybody what you got coming up this weekend and where to follow you. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter. I, I do most of my updates on uh, there uh, at host Brian Scott. You can I actually just revamped my web page. It's a lot simpler, a little bit cleaner, nicer to look at. It's uh, the injurelist.com. Right. Like yeah, um, I've got some of my articles that I did with Andrew Leduck on a weekly basis up there. You can read those there or just go to the belly up website, the fantasy website and read them there as well. Um, where I do weekly uh, injury information as well um, with Andrew. So you can check that stuff out. And then um, uh, still waiting kind of for kind of the final word on this whole Tua situation and the concussion protocol changes. What they did recently, I think, was just to kind of kind of push it to the back burner and give somebody a little bit, uh, give us fans a little bit of a peace of mind. <laughs> but there's more to yep. come on that. Yep. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll do an episode, a podcast episode, where I go into more uh, depth on that once that time comes. But uh, yeah, and then uh, we'll see you tomorrow night. Excellent. Brian Scott, we'll see you tomorrow night at host of Brian Scott at the Injured List Podcast. We'll see you soon, Brian. All right. All right. Chase, this is time time to get down into the nitty gritty here. Before we do, we did have a comment come in. Yeah. I keep the comments coming in all night long. We got a Mill and Jane. Was this trade worth it? Ramondre Stevenson for J.K. Dobbins and Devonta Smith. Give me your initial intake there. Uh, I think it depends on which side of that trade you're on there, Millen. Uh I like Dobbins. Gave up Ramondre Stevenson. That's what I was. I'm I'm hoping because I like the Dobbins Smith side better. I know that there's been some trepidation here with Dobbins because he's a running back on the Ravens and they have a running quarterback, obviously Lamar, who is their best threat no matter where they are on the field. But um, there was a lot of hype behind Stevenson coming into this season. I didn't buy into it as much as some other people. Uh, And I, I mean, it's been a split when when Damian Harris has been healthy, with Harris possibly missing some time. Stevenson's a good play and he's a good person that he's a good guy to have on your roster, but there's a lot of value there on the Dobbins and Devontae Smith side. I talked about Smith earlier a little bit. He's, he's pretty boomer bust. He boomed last week, busted the week before boomed big time the week before he's kind of that Tyler Lockett. You never know when he's going to be able to go off. You know, it, it, I, I always think about that. Like with Tyler Lockett, I always thought about that with say like an ex Eagle Deshaun Jackson, you never know when Devonte Smith is going to have those games, but you know, he can have them. And JK Dobbins looks like he's going to be the lead rusher on that team. Even with uh, Lamar, Lamar will take some of his shine off in the red zone, but JK Dobbins is still going to be their top guy to turn around and receive a handoff. And that's worth something when you're talking about a team that's usually as run heavy as, as the Ravens are. I like the Dobbins Smith side better. I'm okay with that. Uh, if you're talking, I don't know if it's dynasty or redraft, but from a dynasty standpoint, Dobbins and, and Smith and Stevenson are all real young guys. So you've got whoever you got in this trade, you've got for a long time. They're good building blocks to have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the Dobbins Smith side is the one that won out, uh, not just, I, I just I think they got more value on that side. I think they'll be able to use it. They got more value long term for sure. I mean, Dobbins will be the starting running back yeah. for the rest of the season. Devonta Smith will be that wide receiver two, wide receiver three who can win you some weeks. Ramon Stevenson is terrific, and we'll talk yes. about him in today's show, where he'll probably be an RB one for me heading into this weekend. As long as Damian Harris is out, most likely. Oh yeah. Yes, long term Harris will be back. Yeah, for the next for the next month, this might be a great trade on the Stevenson side for the next month. 
um, you know, Smith is one of those classic best ball guys where if you don't have to try and decipher when the hell he's going to go off, perfect. But for right. the next month or so, yeah, the Stevenson side may be great because of the Harris injury. Yeah, maybe maybe you don't think it's going to go off because it's in every other week thing like you alluded to. Tonight, of course, is the first half of the week six fantasy football preview, which means we got four teams to preview this segment, four teams to preview in the next segment. So we're going to kick this thing off, of course, with a Thursday night game, the Commanders against the Bears. We got the 49ers against the Falcons, the Patriots against the Browns, and the Jets against Green Bay. So, Danielle, let's get to our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Speaking of Stevenson, he's right on my top list. Here's an obvious starter against the Cleveland Browns. Did you see what Austin Eckler did to this team last week? What was it, 16 carries? Something ridiculous, 173 yards. He picks up a touchdown on the ground. Did you see what Stevenson did to the Lions? By the way, the Browns and the Lions tied for third worst in points allowed against the running back position. Fire him up all the way. Nope, I, I agree with that. I think you have to with, with Stevenson right now. It's, it's the kind of thing where we, we've always hoped and we always pray that we'll get a Belichick uh, running back who will actually take control of that situation and force them to play him more than just the committee. And coming into the year, we didn't have that. We knew we had a good talent in, in Stevenson, but Harris is not a bad talent. Uh, now that you've got a guy who they have to give the rock to because Ty Montgomery's still out and Harris is going to be missing time. Uh, they've got that guy there now. You've got a bell cow back in New England. Use it while you can. Fire up Stevenson as quick as you can. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Here's what I'm going to be curious about. If Damien Harris were to miss, let's say, three weeks with, with a bad hamstring injury like it was sure. initially reported to be, does Stevenson have a chance to overtake that backfield? We, we do think he's more talented, definitely more versatile than the Damien Harris is. If he's able to prove himself over these next three weeks, when Harris comes back, he'll definitely have a role. But would Stevenson be the lead guy and Harris behind him? You know, I, I really hope so. I would hope so because – the, the thing is, I mean, we, we know how Belichick has run his backfields in the past. They had James White, uh, basically their, their pass catcher. Brandon Bolden did some of that here, and now he's gone and, and in Las Vegas. But if Stevenson can show that he can be a three-down back and they don't have to take him off to try and stick somebody else in, Ty Montgomery will be back here in a couple of weeks, possibly. If, if he's out for a while and they have to try and throw to Stevenson and hand him the ball and he shows he can do all of that, uh, if he shows he can pass block, 
when he's in there on third down and that they don't have to take him off the field as a liability. He does have a real opportunity to grab a hold of this thing, I think, by the throat. Uh, the the question will be, can he handle that that work on third down? Uh, right now, it's the only two healthy guys they got, as far as I'm aware, are Stevenson and their draft pick, Pierre Strong, who has barely, you know, who's barely been seen. Yeah, there's, since there's been some day. talk they might bring JJ Taylor off the practice squad or, or something along. Yeah, the, uh, yeah again, that's it, just depth. That is depth. Yeah, right. You're, yeah, you're. That's a contingency plan. Is all that is. So yeah. if if Stevenson can play well until either Montgomery or Harris gets back, he's got a real shot at it. I think. Yeah, and that would make me look really good for making Ramondre Stevenson my number one sleeper at the running back position heading into the draft process. Nick Chubb, uh, he's number one running back. You start him, and that's all that needs to be said there. It is Brees Hall season. Oh, baby. Look, I know Michael Carter stole two goal line touchdowns, but look at the context of which that happened because people have been going crazy about it. It was he had two big plays that were rough plays that got him down to that one yard mark made by Brees Hall. They take him out to give him a breather. I wish they let him finish the play. That's why Michael Carter gets those two goal line touchdowns. Brees Hall is here and he's here to stay. No, you you gotta allow the guy to breathe after he runs that far with that many guys on his back for crying out loud. No, no, those were a couple of great plays. If you guys haven't seen the the highlights of them somehow, if you've been under a rock for the last week. Check him out. Yeah, Brees Hall is the real deal. He's everything that I think we we thought he was coming into the rookie drafts for Dynasty when they drafted him on you know on draft night. They got they got a guy, and now you know they have two very capable, very young guys to put around Zach Wilson in that backfield. Uh, you know, Hall is showing that he can catch the ball too. Uh, you know, obviously you're not going to get you know big sixty yard catches out of him you know every week kind of thing, but. He does not have to come off the field on third down. He doesn't have to share, you know, the touches if if they don't want him to. He looks like the real deal. I'm psyched up about it. I love it because I've got a lot of exposure to him. Uh, I was big on him in terms of like trying to take him as my number three, and it worked out uh, that you know he's become my number one in a couple of cases where I took <clears throat> Najee Harris. <clears throat> but you know, <laughs> Brees Hall, yeah, fire him up. Do not hesitate. I don't care who he's playing against right now. Yeah, and my only other obvious start of this group is uh, Devo Samuel at the wide receiver position. I know he hasn't been laying it up, but like he showed last week, one way or another, this guy gives you a floor. Those light-up weeks will be coming. He gets a touchdown last week, playing Atlanta this week. I'm not worried about Devo Samuel. You can't sell him high right now or anything like that, so I wouldn't be moving off of Devo Samuel either. Lock him in your lineups. I don't think we have to think too much more about it. Nope. Play your studs. Don't get play your studs. Exactly. Danielle, let's hit the lock them in. Lock them in. It's a lock. Still not talking about any quarterbacks in this group so far, but I do have some more running backs on the on the loose here. David Montgomery, look, wasn't pretty last week, but he scored a touchdown. It's a good matchup, and Chicago can only move the ball from the running backs. The most important point about David Montgomery is that he came in his first week back, reassumed right the starting workhorse position. Khalil Herbert saw 14 snaps that whole game uh, after looking. He's looked like, in my opinion, he's looked better. He's looked more the last two years. He was great last year filling in when he was healthy, filling in for, for Montgomery when he missed time. Khalil Herbert to me looks like at this point in their careers, the, the better, more explosive and uh, a more capable runner. But like you said, th- what I met, what I think doesn't matter. It's what the coaching staff in Chicago thinks. And you, you're right. They came back in, they gave Montgomery 20, you know, 
they gave him uh, 16 touches. He caught every single you know ball they threw to him for 62 more yards on the day. Uh, Herbert played 14 snaps, had four rushes for 11 yards. Uh, yeah, Herbert is essentially only a handcuff. It looks like in in, in the eyes of that coaching staff. Uh, yeah, I mean, he frustrates you all at once, but there you are. He, he's he's definitely a high end hiccup. Look, I talked about this going into the year, and I said everybody was too low on David Montgomery. They were going to feed him the ball. Think of it this way: when you have a running back on a contract situation, and the coaching staff's not tied to him, what do you do? It's what the Raiders are doing Brought now. Him into the ground. Him into the ground. Yep. You got no future with him. It doesn't matter. Right. Cleo Herbert, he'll still be there. He'll still be talented. You don't have to worry about that. That's what these coaching staffs are doing. So keep that in mind in future years. By the way, Jeff Wilson, I'm also locking him in. He's been terrific spelling for Elijah Mitchell. That is number one running back. You want to play the number one running back in San Francisco. The guy I do want to highlight a little bit more is Aaron Jones of this group. I'm locking him in to my top lineups as a top 12 running back this week. Last week was very, very strange, what the Green Bay Packers did in general, especially getting away from the running game, which was their bread and butter. playing in the the background right now. Don't remind me. (laughs) The one thing, though, is that Jones started to pull away. And I heard a lot of talk about this, like, oh, well, if, is Jones pulling away from Dylan this week? And I'm like, well, no. I mean, Dylan up until this point had double-digit touches every single week. That game was just totally, totally weird. What I will say that was a little bit interesting, what, what, one, one argument I heard is that, you know, if Aaron Jones is going to continue to be this much more efficient, 6.4 yards per carry compared to Dylan's 3.9, will that mean anything? And I don't think it will. I don't think it will because Dylan will get better as the season wears on. When it's colder, you're not going to want to tackle him. Right, right now, when it's warmer, Aaron Jones is going to be better, a better slasher. What do you think, Chase? Right. No, I, I I think you're right on that. You know, there was a lot of hype in the in the preseason. There, we were they were talking about maybe giving Aaron Jones a lot of run as as this receiver, maybe almost more like a Debo Samuel type role. Um, that has, it hasn't necessarily materialized like everybody thought it was. Oh yeah. They'll pound it with Dylan. They'll finesse it with Jones. They'll both have some standalone value cut. Like we've seen them, like we saw them have last year. Um, they have actually leaned a little bit more toward Aaron Jones being the main guy. And then maybe, yeah, maybe taking Dylan and having him be the end of game hammer. Like you said, nobody wants to face that when it's cold or when they're tired at the end of the mid third quarter. Uh, which is why it was so frustrating last week that they didn't do that more. Uh, they need to run the ball more in, in Green Bay, not just from a fantasy standpoint, but from a real life football standpoint. If they want to run, if they want to win some games, I agree with you. Aaron Jones is a is a starter that you want to get in there. Uh, you probably drafted him as a number one or number or early number two guy anyway. But he has seen the work rushing and receiving from that from that backfield, and he, they are going to give him the ball. Uh, don't worry about A.J. Dillon. If you've got A.J. Dillon, hang on to him. He, like you said, later in the year, he's, it's going to come around for him. He's too talented for it not to be, and they have to use both of them. It's going to have to happen. 100%. It, and as, like I said, for this week, the playing the Jets, you can still play A.J. Dillon, especially with four teams on oh by. I expect to get the workload back up again. Does, is he maybe more of an RB3 the rest of the way? Yeah, probably, at least mm-hmm. until it starts to get the weather changed to get him more involved because he's not finding the end zone. That's but that's where you should have drafted him anyway. Knowing that Correct. Jones was there, you should have taken him as a three-flex option anyway. You shouldn't have been drafting him as as a guy that you wanted to count on, whether even if you were doing zero RB, hero RB. Correct. Let's move on to the wide receivers, though. We'll kick this thing off right away with Terry McLaurin. 
and Curtis Samuel. We'll have them the Thursday night game, the same kind of conversation. So the first thing I want to point out is that the matchup, I've heard all week long, like, well, the matchup's not that great against the Bears. Eh, it's a little skewed here, okay? The Bears have played the 49ers in a monsoon. They played the Packers, who just ran the ball against them. They played the Texans, who, you know, they don't have a quarterback. They played the Giants, who don't have any receivers. Finally, they played the Minnesota Vikings, and Justin Jefferson lights them up. So I'm not really worried about the matchup here for them. I also have to say, I can't imagine Diami Brown is going to go no. off for two touchdowns. Nope. Not going to happen. So I like Terry McLaurin. I like Curtis Samuel. I'm putting him in my lineup anywhere I can put him. Where do you have? Which one do you have ahead? I have Samuel ahead, even though now McKenzie or not McKenzie McLaurin. McLaurin is playing almost 100 percent of snaps. Literally, almost 100. percent He's out there every play for them. That passing game, they still want it to go through McLaurin. But right now, Samuel actually leads those receivers in, in touches and tar- he led them in targets last week. The uh, the only problem I have with Samuel right now is that we've seen two weeks in a row now where he has not had a rushing attempt. And that's part of his shine as well, is that they are using him in that wide back role. And we want to see Curtis Samuel get some touches in the run game. Um, but the, that pass game is going to go through McLaurin and through Samuel, especially when they have Dotson out. That's the thing everybody that went out and chased the touchdowns with Diami Brown this week has to keep in mind. Jahan Dotson has been a big part of that pass game when he's been healthy this season. He was not there last week. When had we heard anything about Deami Brown since literally they, they brought him in? Not a whole hell of a lot. He caught two passes on two targets last week for 105 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> Great game, but don't expect that every week. He, he, he saw two targets, two targets, and he got lucky and hauled him in. Uh, yeah, you're putting in McLaurin again, you're playing him, you drafted him to play him. You picked up Curtis Samuel because Curtis Samuel is the real deal. Looks like the real deal because of his usage this year. Uh, but yeah, don't be running out and blowing your fab on Deami Brown or blowing a number one or number two waiver priority on Deami Brown, please. That's chasing touchdowns and that we know that doesn't work. Well, no, and I don't think for the most part, I don't think most people would be doing that. But also keep in mind this Diami Brown is dealing with a groin injury heading into tomorrow yes. night's game on top of it. So just sort of pave the way more for McLaurin and Curtis Samuel from that group. Amari Cooper also in my lock them in section. Mm-hmm. There's four teams on by. He's in my top 24. The, it, we've seen it already. Brissett will get him the ball. There's only been two dud games out of five. You're playing Amari Cooper. So I want to move on to the tight ends. Where it gets a little gnarly, especially on a, when we get in the bye Everyone weeks now. Always, yep. So George Kittle, I wanted to highlight him for this one. Now Atlanta, they're fifth worst in points allowed to the tight end, so that's good. And George Kittle is a really good talent, and he hasn't gone off yet, so there might be a little bit more of an emphasis to get him going. The problem is this. It's, as long as Trent Williams is out, he's just going to get asked to block a little bit more yep. than he normally would. That's why he's 11th right now in routes run, and that's why he's killing people from a fantasy perspective. However, you have to keep plugging and playing him. I got as my tight end six this week, not backing off that. Oh, by the way, I'll add this caveat too. Buy low on him. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. He's got a great, great schedule the rest of the way. Trent Williams, once he comes back, George Kittle's not going to have to block so much. Buy low on George Kittle while you still can. No, he's he's too talented. We've seen too much of him in the past to to discount that talent and to think that yeah, it's it it can't play. He can't play the same way. But like you said, they keep it as long as he's asked to stay in, or if he's asked to chip or or delay more on some of these routes, then he's not running the type of routes we're used to seeing George Kittle run. And you're not going to, you may not get that consistency that you would like to see from that tight end, but you're not going to get that consistency with any other tight end not named. Andrews or Kelsey either. So if you have him, you have to keep using him because when he blows off, he's going to win your week for you. And he's, he's a better dart throw than most of the other guys out there because of his ceiling. I'll just throw this out there real quick too. I'm locking in David Njoku, who's been really, really good the last three weeks in a row. I got a question here before we move on to our next segment. Uh, Outsole Chaotic. Okay, love that name. Should I start Curtis Samuel or Najee Harris as my flex this week in full point PPR? I, if you actually have two other running backs to go with and Najee Harris can be your flex option, I'm going to say play Curtis Samuel over Najee yes. Harris. No, definitely, definitely. I, it's not a great matchup for Pittsburgh this week. I, they're not going to ever. Win no, right, not not at the moment. That offensive line is absolutely terrible uh, at run blocking. They've actually been okay at pass blocking in Pittsburgh, which is weird because they're not, they really don't look that great at anything, but they're actually not terrible at pass blocking. They are not a run blocking unit. Uh, Najee Harris is not efficient. He is not the kind of explosive runner that can deal with that. Uh, he is all volume and he hasn't even been getting that kind of volume this year. Curtis Samuel is the way to go with that. Uh, Curtis Samuel is going to have the higher ceiling. As weird as that sounds, and honestly, I think he has the higher floor too. Yes, he absolutely 100% does. And you hit the nail on the right on the head. Najee Harris is not getting the work in the passing game he was last year. Remember, that's really what amplified his value. And I thought with Trubisky or, and or Kenny Pickett when I was statting him out this season, he would still get checked down to. But right. whether he's dealing with a foot injury or whatever the case is going on right now, he's not getting that. Until that changes, I, you can't trust the floor for Najee because the schedule doesn't get much better for the Pittsburgh Steelers the rest of the way. They do have a very tough schedule, especially for a team that did not make the playoffs last season. Very surprised to see that. But let's move on to our lookout for players for these matchups. Lookout for... Everyone thinks that they don't know when the Carson Wentz roller coaster is going to peak. I got to tell you, I think I do. Anytime he plays a subpar bottom 15 defense... He lights them up. This doesn't look pretty, but he does it. That's why three of the last five games has had top 10 finishes. Chicago is sitting right at 15th. As I pointed out with the wide receivers, that in and of itself is a little bit skewed with the matchups that they had anyway. So I'm starting Carson Wentz. He's a top 12 quarterback for me in a heavy bye week. Yeah, if you've got him and if if you picked him up, you probably didn't draft him, but if you picked him up, 
you picked him up because you had a need at that position. I mean, you didn't just go out and grab him to have a second quarterback on your roster unless you absolutely needed him. And if you did need him, yeah, he, this is a, this is a matchup he can, he can do something with, um, you know, if he can get around the, the bad Carson jitters and get out, if he stays out of his own head, like you said, if he's against the bottom defense and he's not under a lot of pressure and he doesn't have to worry about things, He's got all the talent in the world to be able to pick him apart, and he's got weapons around him, whether or not De'Ami Brown and Jahan Dotson play. But uh, if they are able to get any kind of pass rush on him, scramble him up a little bit, he was sacked three times last week, um, you know, then then we we see bad Carson come out when he, when he starts to get under too much pressure. Um, if they can protect him in this matchup, they should be able to take advantage of the Bears. 100% agree. Uh, look, the other guys I have in this area, the lookout for area, are still streaming options. Aaron Rodgers, he does come in a top 12 quarterback for me. He's got a safe floor, especially in a matchup against the Jets. And right now, especially this week, that's probably all you're looking for. And then I'll also add Jimmy Garoppolo, believe it or not. And again, it's kind of matchup based here against the Atlanta Falcons, but I wound up having to have him in my top 15. So he has to be part of the conversation. I don't love it. I hope you have a better option, but there's not a lot of options to be had. Chase, after I look, when I look at my quarterback rankings right now, once I get outside of 10, I want to puke right. in my mouth. Right. Right. It, and it, it, it's, yeah, you want to keep putting the, the, the names up there too. You, you see a name like Russell Wilson, you think, yeah, how can he not be up? Well, he can't be up there. There's, he's not playing well enough to be up there. But like you said, you start to look at the guys in that range and none of them look palatable anymore. Uh, you know, even even Kirk Cousins, who is generally a pretty solid 11 through 14 type play, you don't necessarily feel all that comfortable with right now. And it's it's tough once you get outside that like top six or seven or so. Even Justin Herbert hasn't been, you know, hasn't shot the lights out all, all year. It's been a bit of a weird start to the year for for the quarterback position. Like you said, I don't really want to I'm I'm hoping that you have a top option. If you're relying on Wentz, if you're relying on Garoppolo, you're going to have to just ride the waves that come with that. Hopefully they're your QB two in a super flex league or something like that. But if you're riding the wave with them, you're going to have to take the good with the bad. Uh, we got a question coming in. I want to hit real fast. We got a uh, gets here is Bateman and Conklin for Najoku a good trade. I got to tell you, I'm a little torn about this because I love Rashad Bateman's upside, mm-hmm. but it's so bad to tighten in position. If you can get a guy who actually might look like he's a top eight guy the rest of the way, right. might have to entertain that idea. And Conklin is neither here nor there to me. We'll talk about why later. Yeah, no, you can find other Batemans uh, on, the, on the wire right now, to be honest with you. You probably drafted two or three Bateman cal- caliber players to go along with him right now but right now what Njoku is doing is he's seen passing volume like he like he should have been since they drafted him for crying out loud coming from a Browns fan um but yeah there are two guys seeing targets start right now from Jacoby Brissett and it's it's Amari Cooper and David Njoku and Njoku is finally doing something with those targets uh Conklin yeah we'll talk about him in a little bit but he is not going to be the every week's week in week out starter that Njoku can be for you right now at the tight end position um yeah, depending on what the rest of the roster construction looks like, yeah, I, I think I'd lean the Ninjoku side of this trade. 
Uh, Gets, just to answer, he put another question. If I tell you my team, can you tell me some trades? Not live on the show, because that would totally screw up the flow of the show. But what you can do, hit me up on social media, at Show, and I will always help you guys out with any questions you may have. So let's dive into our lookout for running backs. Brian Robinson, let's talk about Brian Robinson playing in tomorrow night's game, the Thursday night matchup here. And in his first game back, he played two less snaps than Antonio Gibson. That's it. And he out-carried him. Yep. They are chomping at the bit to get this guy going. I actually have him inside my top 30 this week. I think you can potentially flex him here against Chicago Bears, who are awful against the run. They are terrible against the run. You are right. I think if he's – I mentioned this on the the earlier show that I did tonight, but Brian Robinson this week – this is as good a time as any. If, if he is going to get starter-type work for the first time, this is a good week to get, to get it against the Bears team that, like you said, is like eighth worst against the run. They, get, they give up a ton of points to opposing running backs. Um, I expect this game not to get out of hand one way or the other. Uh, Robinson saw nine carries last week. He didn't see a target. Doesn't mean he can't see a target. Um, and J.D. McKissick's been a little banged up as well. So, you know, they may try to get Robinson involved a little bit more. Like you said, they almost split that backfield 30-30-30% last week for touches or for snaps. And I'm interested to see if Brian Robinson can out-snap not just Antonio Gibson, but possibly J.D. McKissick as well. If this game, if the game script flows right and it doesn't get out of hand, um, we may see, yeah, we may see Brian Robinson's first game as the, you know, number one back or starter, however you want to term it. I'm excited to see it because for a guy that got shot in the ass and the knee, he ran pretty well last week. Even, even, you know, looking at 2.2 yards of carry, he's running behind the Washington offensive line. Right. So that's the key. It's, it's always going to be matchup based no matter what. Here's the point about Brian Robinson that people probably care about more. And that's the rest of season. Antonio mm-hmm. Gibson is going to get fade out of this offense completely pretty soon. I think the coaching staff is kind of just done with them. He didn't perform up the expectations. Jaden McKissick has his role locked in. And they want yep. Brian Robinson to be that lead guy. I think yep. Brian Robinson's the guy you want to own the rest of the season. And once Antonio Gibson's completely out of the way and the matchup's right, you'll be able to play Brian Robinson in the flex in those situations. Or even if not, he will be a good enough spot start, depending on your bye weeks upcoming. Right. Uh, we talked about McKissick's just a uh, he's a PPR flex. That PPR only. Yep. Right. PPR only. We talked about A.J. Dillon. Kareem Hunt. I told you guys every single week, just fire up Kareem Hunt. There are so few running backs getting double-digit opportunities. The touchdowns were all flowing in Nick Chubb's way. He gets in the end, Hunt, that is, gets in the end zone last week. That will happen more often than him missing a full three weeks without getting into the end zone. You're playing Kareem Hunt, and in this week, again, the bye weeks, he's a top 24 play for me. He's just He's got too much talent. Uh, now, obviously, he's playing quote unquote, behind Nick Chubb. Chubb's going to see the bulk of like the battering Ram work, but they don't necessarily take Kareem Hunt out in inside the five. And the cool part about Kareem Hunt is you don't know if they're going to hand it off to him inside the five, or are they going to try and get him in the, in space and throw him a pass on the outside? Um, Kareem Hunt has that ability to be a, t- a top running back, whether or not Chubb is playing. And yeah, if you've got Kareem Hunt, fire him up. Why not? He's, he's a better toss up. He's a better toss up matchup than a ton of other guys because he has that dual ability. And because like you said, he gets touches, he's going to get targets. He's going to get touches. Eventually some of them are going to break. 
Don't worry about Drake London. He's in my lookout for wide receivers. He's still too good, too consistent to not play him. Jacoby Myers. Here's one thing I want to point out with Jacoby Myers. I I love him as a a full-point PPR, a high-end wide receiver three with a high floor. But I just the the reaction this week because he finally gets into the end zones like oh Jacoby Myers is so awesome we gotta make him a wide receiver too the rest stop it like oh like when Mac Jones comes back just think then Mac Jones has been his quarterback and he still barely gets into the end zone just keep in mind guys are what they are when they have a right. huge week it doesn't mean they're suddenly a superstar player and vice versa if a star player has a bad week it doesn't mean that they're a bump and even fantasy analysts get wrapped up in this sometimes and it drives me bananas when I have to come and luckily I have this show i can come on and i can vent to things like this <laughs> jacoby myers is a wide receiver three he's a good solid high floor wide receiver three that's it i don't care yeah. what happens in the game he's the lead guy in new england that's all you really need to know but i do want to get chase's take on this so dobbs lazard lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Disappointing last week against the Giants, but they play the Jets this week. Christian Watson, he got a hamstring. And Randall Cobb got his once-in-a-leap-year game out of his system that we tend to see. I think we'll be right back to Lazard and Dobbs leading the way. No, this this passing game right now is the Lazard and Dobbs show, and it it should be. Uh, You know, Lazard hurt early in the year, but listen, he's healthy now. He has Rodgers' trust. He's still six foot five for crying out loud. They're going to throw the ball to to Alan Lazard. He's going to get his sights and every week. And if you listen to Aaron Rodgers' interviews, and I hear a bunch of them because I'm here in in Wisconsin, or if you if you catch him on Tuesdays with McAfee, the more you listen to Aaron Rodgers talk about Romeo Dubs, the more that it it sounds like he's gaining that trust that is so important from Rodgers. If Rodgers doesn't trust you, if he doesn't like you, you ain't seeing the ball, and it doesn't matter necessarily what the play call was, but. Romeo Dobbs has been one of those diamond in the rough kind of players that that they've relied on in Green Bay because they don't draft anybody so high. Christian Watson, they they're not throwing him the ball. They scheme him. They've schemed for him a little bit here. But listen, Lazard is six foot five. They're going to go to him in the red zone. He has shown he can he can be Rodgers's go to guy. If Dobbs continues to develop like he is, we may actually see this passing offense look more like a green Bay passing offense. I don't know that you're going to be looking at Rogers as a consistent starter that we've looked at him in the past before, not this season. If he happens to stick around, we might see it. Um, Cobb, like you said, is nothing more than a, than a dart throw, uh, a daily, maybe dart throw. Um, he has Rogers's trust, but he's just not that kind of 
every down, down in, down out target receiver. He's not, his days of 12 targets a game are gone. Yeah, like I said, it's a once in a leap year game. You get one of them out of him. Marvin Jones had the same thing this past right. week. We're talking about Jacksonville in the next segment. These guys at this point, they can like give you little reminders of what they used to be, but that's that's all it is. Let's go to our be cautious of players of this group. Be cautious of. All right, we're not playing fields. Obviously, I'm not starting Jacoby Brissett. I do have this question to you about Mariota though, playing against San Francisco this week. If he gets pummeled on, which has a very good chance of happening, right. will this really start the move to Desmond Ritter in your mind, or you just think that that's not really in the cards? God, it, again, my opinion isn't necessarily as important as Arthur Smith's you know, opinion of it, but I sure hope not. Um, honestly, Mariota's been not a, not a bad place so far this year if you've played the matchups right. He's got a rushing floor. He's actually run very effectively. Um, they're just, they're not a great team around him. They're not calling the plays for possibly their best overall offensive player with in Kyle Pitts. Uh, Cordero Patterson has been injured now, so he hasn't had that to rely on. They're still getting Algier mixed, you know, into the mix. Um, I think I've said all year, if they just leave Mariota alone and, and forget about the idea that they want to throw Ritter in before it's his time, uh, Mariota could end up being a top 12, top 14 type running back or a, quarterback this season um, because of that rushing floor. And because I, I think that he's got enough in him to throw to the, to Drake London and Kyle Pitts. The problem with it is, is, you know, everybody loves the backup quarterback till he's in there. Well, this kid's a rookie. I don't want to see him become Deshaun Kaiser 2.0. If he gets thrown in there before it's, it's his time, let him sit, let him develop. You're not going anywhere anyway, this year, Atlanta, sit back, let the kid learn leave Marcus Mariota alone so we can get our top 13, you know, points out of him and move on from there. I agree with you because, well, frankly, I think Desmond Ritter is the Sean Kaiser 2.0, no matter how much time he gets to sit back and learn. So that's why I'm, I'm with you on that one, but it's just, we've already heard some rumblings. It's going to be an interesting thing to watch this weekend. And then Zach Wilson, I'm not starting him, but this is kind of interesting. So the last two weeks right now, he's been a QB 12 over the last two weeks. It's been a little bit gimmicky, though. Remember, he got the receiving touchdown yeah. his first game back. He sneaks in a couple touchdowns here. You know, he, didn't, he didn't throw the ball very well in, in this past game this past week. There is a potential there, though. You have the receivers, very talented. Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, very nice veteran to have. The tight ends they spent money on with Tyler Conklin and C.J. Usama. And let's not to mention Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Do you think Zach Wilson has the talent to turn this thing around because he certainly has the pathway. He certainly has the weapons. And should you at least be picking up Zach Wilson? If you've been streaming quarterbacks as a stash play, where if the light bulb goes off, you could have a big weapon on your hand. If, if you've been streaming quarterbacks, there are a lot worse options to have than, than Zach Wilson. Yeah. Or if you were one of those people who drafted Russ, if you drafted say Rogers and he hasn't been as consistent as we want him to be, there are worse dart throws to take out there than Zach Wilson because of like what you just said. I've said it all year. I love what they're doing with the Jets. It's weird for me to say that. Like you said earlier, I kind of want to throw up on my mouth a little bit, yeah. but I think they're doing it right in New York. They're trying to build that offensive line. They've put a lot of money into that offensive line, a lot of resources into that. They are surrounding Zach Wilson, their young rookie contract quarterback with young talent and highly drafted talent. There are too many weapons there for an NFL caliber quarterback of any 
level, any tier, there are too many weapons there for an NFL caliber quarterback not to make that work. If Zach Wilson is any kind of a quarterback, and if he is going to be, especially if he's going to be the quarterback of the future in the, in for the jets, he needs to be able to turn that, that organization around a little bit. They've looked good last couple of weeks. He said, it feels like the, the offense is rolling. Uh, there, there are plenty of other guys that you, that, that I would take him before out there. If you're, if you're in that unfortunate position of having to stream, he's been a little gimmicky. Yeah. But Hey, Gimmicky sp- scores points too. So <laughs> I'll uh, take some milk. Okay. Antonio Gibson. We're not playing him and no. Falcons running backs. We're definitely not playing them against San Francisco. You're not playing Darnell Mooney. You're not playing Brandon Ayuk because this passing attack has not gotten going for the San Francisco 49ers. They haven't even gotten Debo going. He's got to get going first before Brandon Ayuk can really become a factor here. I'm not dropping Ayuk though. There's still a lot of potential, big pathway there. He's a big guy I've seen being dropped this past week. And just to wrap this thing up, you're not starting a Patriots wide receiver, not named Jacoby Myers. And then this is where I want to hit on a little bit more. We kind of talked about a little bit with Zach Wilson, but this is why I was worried about the Jets receivers when they made the change from Flacco to Wilson. Knew the offensive scheme was going to change. They want to be more balanced with Zach Wilson under center. So the volume goes down. Also, mm-hmm. he still divvies out the ball at a pretty even rate amongst everybody. No one's really emerging so I don't think you can play an Elijah Moore, a Garrett Wilson, a Corey Davis, a Tyler Conklin, or C.J. Usama. I'm only playing Brees Hall, even though they have all these weapons right now. No, that's it's part of the problem with it is that they're all so talented. But like you said, they're, no, they're talented enough that nobody has stepped up. We've seen Corey Davis in the past be a top, you know, a, a top kind of fantasy receiver. But he's got all that competition now from Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore looked really good late last year when he when he got his opportunities and when he was finally getting the ball. But nobody, like you said, has separated himself from the rest of the pack. I don't think that you want to play the the tight ends anyway. Conklin, uh, Conklin had a few nice games here early in the season, but he hasn't necessarily had to deal with Uzama being back. Now that Uzama's back, now that Zach Wilson is back, it's going to be a different look to that to that passing attack they're first off not going to be throwing it 48 times a game like they were asking Flacco to do but secondly like you said then it now that Uzama's back he's going to split even the tight end looks are going to split there Conklin was a nice story for the first month and a half for the season or so but I don't think he's going to be a starting option every week going forward he'll be a tight end dart throw like everybody else has been exactly speaking of tight end dart throws Kyle Pitts (laughs) ha I'm going to name him in that section there. It's been brutal. I honestly thought he was just going to miss this week, and I didn't think I was going to have to put him on my list to begin Hope, with. But yeah, hoping, yeah. He practiced today, so now we got to talk about him. And because it's a bye week and there's not a lot of talented tight ends out there, he's somebody that might be hard to keep out of your lineup. But I do know that a lot of people who had Kyle Pitts, they might have picked up a Gerald Everett. They might have picked up a David Njoku. Play those guys over a Kyle Pitts this week. Continue to do that. Until we see something change, I don't really want to play Pitts unless I absolutely have to. Right. No, his his talent, he's got he's got showroom talent, but right now his usage says the used car lot across the street. They're not really giving him anything to, to work with. I thought coming into this year, I knew I when I looked at everything, I said Drake Lennon's going to be a target monster. 
and and Kyle Pitts will be as well. I think it's like who else are they going to throw to? Brian Edwards is a nice player. Olamide is a key. Is a doesn't nice matter player. when Mario is only throwing the ball fifteen times in a game, right? If you're only going to ask him to throw fifteen times, and if he's given ten of those to to Drake London, which he probably should be, but if they're not going to throw any of the rest of them to Kyle Pitts, I don't know what they're doing with their play calling that they can't find a way to get a guy as talented as Kyle Pitts the football, no matter who the quarterback is. But right now. Kyle Pitts has worked himself into that same, like you just said, the same dart throw category that all the other tight ends not named Kelsey or Andrews are in. So if you've got one of those other guys who actually has been producing, play those guys until Pitts proves otherwise. And we're not playing Hunter Henry because Drew Smith will be back, so you don't want any part of that. And we're not playing Tyler Conklin. We've talked about him at length already. Before we go into the break, Adam, as thoughts on Brian Robinson having himself a game tomorrow. Obviously, you missed the earlier half of the show. That's fine. <laughs> Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out in the podcast app. Go back and listen to it. We talked about Brian Robinson earlier. But just to give you a quick tidbit, Adam, since you did tune in live here, yeah, I think he's going to have a top 30 performance. You can play him as a flex play. But we got to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got four more matchups to talk about on this Look Ahead Wednesday. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. All right, we're back, baby, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure to check us out on bellyup.tv. If you missed an episode, that's fine. Just download us on the Fox D Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Fire TV devices. Just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chase Thornton, the Belly Up Sports writer and Belly Up Fantasy Live host. Very happy to have you on, Chase. How are you, how, how you feeling so far tonight? Oh, good show? No, loving it. Love, I love being here. Happy to be on. I'm a late night person anyway, so hey, I, I don't mind coming down and see. There's worse places for me to sit than in my own basement here and talk football. 
<laughs> love it. Love it. That's what I want to hear. We got four more matchups to talk about in this segment. We got the Jaguars against the Colts. It's always a doozy. We got the Vikings against the Dolphins, the Bengals against the Saints, and the Ravens against the Giants. So let's hit our obvious starts. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. He left some throws on the table last week, but that's okay. Lamar Jackson will be fired up in your lineups, and I'm not going to worry too much about it. I do want to bring this caveat up real quick, though. Martindale has been doing a hell of a job as a defense coordinator for the Giants. And frankly, we're always looking for like that coordinator who should be a head coaching candidate. The job that he's doing, he should at least be on the list. I don't know if he take it this point in his career, but he should at least be on the list with the job he's doing with New York Giants. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Lamar Jackson under some duress. But yeah, you're firing him up. You love him. Obviously, he's a start. Let's move to the running backs. This is where we got to get a little more into it here. So Jonathan Taylor, let's assume he's healthy. All right, just just for argument's sake, let's assume he's healthy. He plays against Jacksonville this week. The Jacksonville defensive tackle, who I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm not going to try to. But when when he's out, when he's out, they're terrible in the run defense, and he looks like he's going to be out again this week. I think Taylor, watching the Colts, knowing that they got to get some kind of play action, they got to get back to featuring as the offense because they got no offense otherwise will get Taylor moving in this game. So I have, no, I have no concerns about Taylor as long as he's out there and able to play. But this offensive line, they need to reshuffle. I know they shuffled it before that Thursday night game. They got to reshuffle it again. Is there any hope on the horizon, you think, Chase? They've been too good in the past, but when you've got they've been dealing with injuries, and yeah, it seems like they don't quite know what everybody's role can be right now and who can play where, how much are you going to get out of everybody it's it's been rough it's been sad to watch i mean matt ryan we all knew he wasn't a you know a real mobile guy anyway but it's their offense can't get anything going and it is starting up front i know that jonathan taylor's been out and i know that naheem hines got hurt early in the game last week but listen you've for a line that has been, has had a good reputation coming into this season. They have to play better than that. They have to give Ryan some time to to throw and they have to open up the holes for no matter who's back there. If you've got, if you've got Jonathan Taylor, you have to play him. If he's healthy, if he's healthy and goes, you got, you've got to do it. You drafted him as such. The curse of the number one running back looks like it may have claimed him too this year, at least as far as not meeting expectations. But, uh, you know, in, in terms of this offense getting going, I don't I don't know that they're going to be the the unit that we kind of I think all thought they would be coming in. I think we all thought Ryan would be an upgrade over what we saw last year. Uh, Pierce has looked Speak for yourself. Good, I did but, not. And I was very well, me and Chris were very heavy on the show that we were not about the upgrade of, for Matt Ryan over Carson Wentz. Uh, and this is kind of why because Matt Ryan's done and he looked like he was done in Atlanta, and that's been that's been kind of the issue. But it doesn't mean he can't still be serviceable if they can get play action going right. and get some time along the offensive line. So that part I'm with you on. Dalvin Cook, he got back on track, and uh, he's got another matchup to keep getting back on track this week against the Dolphins. So you love to see that. Joe Mixon, I do want to talk about him a little bit. So one of the things I was really excited about with Joe Mixon through the first three weeks, even though he wasn't necessarily going bananas, was that he was getting all the work. Samaja Perrine wasn't involved on two-minute drill, wasn't involved on third downs. This past week, that changed a little bit. Now, I don't know if that's a reflection of Joe Mixon just not being 100% as of this moment, and I don't think he is, 
But we saw Perrine kind of revert back to the role he had last season. He was the one out there on third and longs in two-minute drill. He ran 12 routes run compared to Mixon's 22. And it's getting a little, just that gap's getting a little bit closer. Still love Joe Mixon RB1. He's still in your lineups. But if that trend continues, it might just hinder his ceiling just, just a tad. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been very efficient this year. Uh, last right. week against Baltimore was his best game, best rushing game of the year in terms of his efficiency. He averaged five, over five and a half yards of carry, finally, when he had been averaging more like two and a half. Um, you know, Joe Mixon is going to go, he's not going to go four more games without a touchdown like he went to start the year. He's going to score some this year. That yards per carry average is going to regress to the mean a little bit. He's not going to average under three yards of carry. All. He's not Najee Harris. Um, and you know, yeah, despite the, the, the closing up of, of their roles on third down, he still saw, you know, uh, three targets to P Ryan's four. And in the past they have used P Ryan much more as like that classic third down back take mixing out of the game. Um, and he, I think he's shown that he doesn't have to come off the field on third down. I'm not worried about him going forward, but yeah, it might cut into his volume a little bit. If, uh, if he does see that positive regression. Um, that may negate some of that though, because if he, he's, he's got to be more efficient than what we saw early in the year, even with that terrible offensive line in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon's just too good a, a player. I tend to agree with that as well. If there's one running back's usage, we don't question that's Saquon Barkley's. So we know we love him. And then Alvin Kamara got back on track last week. Andy Dalton, like I predicted is a good thing for Alvin Kamara because he checks yes. the ball down a little bit more and gets him involved. Was Taysom Hill annoying? Yes. Taysom Hill going to have a three-touchdown performance again? Probably not. I really don't think that's going to be the case. Kamara will get back into the end zone. As long as he's catching the ball, that's all you really care about when it comes to Kamara. Let's dive into the wide receivers, our obvious starters. Obviously, we're starting Justin Jefferson. We love him. If Tyreek Hill's healthy, and he practiced in full today, so he should be, you have to play him. But maybe you cut down on the ceiling just a little bit with Skylar Thompson at the quarterback position. If Hill's going to have a huge day, he's going to have to catch a short pass and take it to the house. But my caveat is when Skylar Thompson came in, and it's kind of what I thought was going to happen with Teddy Bridgewater quarterback anyway, he just got peppered because he's looking to his number one read and getting the ball out of his hands. That'll continue, and that is Tyreek Hill, which later in the show we'll talk about Waddle and why that might concern me about him. But for now, I have no concerns about Hill. No, not at all. He's, he's the number one option there. He should be the number one option there. And, you know, like I said, why I wasn't worried about, you know, there was all the scuttlebutt in the preseason about does two have a big enough arm to get the ball to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's game is not run 50 yards down the field and see how far you can throw it. I'll run to it. He has that ability to catch the short throws and get away underneath because he's so much quicker and faster than everybody else. Even if he's the number one read and everybody knows it's going there, he's got the talent to be able to do it and pull away from everybody. Um, so yeah, with a guy like Skylar Thompson, who's not a great, I mean, he's a rookie and he wasn't a highly drafted rookie. Uh, he's going to be looking for that number one guy. He may stare him down a bit, but Tyree kill. If there's anybody on the other end of that equation who can make that work, it's Tyreek Hill. So yeah, I'm not worried about him. If he's healthy, if he's playing again, play your studs, you drafted him. Stop overthinking it. And then Jamar Chase. Now, Jamar Chase is a guy that if the team's 1-4, maybe 0-5, maybe even 2-3, and three, and they're annoyed that Chase hasn't been performing the way they wanted him to as a top-five wide receiver thus far. You might be able to try to buy low on him. It's, it's a possibility that's out there right now. Keep in mind, if you have Chase, don't fret. He's fifth 
in targets. The talent, they're not going, the talent is there. They are not going to keep rolling the coverage over to his side. If T. Higgins continues to burn teams, they're going to have to respect it. Jamar Chase will get his, and as long as he's getting this volume, he's still giving you a safe floor. I'm not concerned. Right. No, it, th- there's no way you can cover all of the receiving options and all of the offensive options that Cincinnati has. Your best hope is to make that offensive line collapse and, and get to Burrow before he has a chance to give it to anybody. Uh, Jamar Chase is too talented, too big, too fast, too just too good a route runner. He's too good, period, across the board. Even if T. Higgins ends up having to miss some time, they can't just roll all the coverage to that side because they can bring Tyler Boyd in. And Tyler Boyd is probably the best number three receiver in the entire league. So I'm not worried about Jamar Chase. He hasn't given you what you want to see from him, uh, you know, so far this year. But, you know, hey, that's that's the risks that you take when you take anybody. If we play a we play a game that's based on, you know, what happens in real life. We can't control that. Keep Jamar Chase. Like you said, if you can go out, maybe convince somebody to buy, to sell him to you for a cheaper price, you know, maybe talk up that, Hey, he hasn't been all that. He hasn't been all that great so far. All you do is talk up the fact that he hasn't hit yeah. the big play, which is what right? he's been dependent on. And that's what, that's what they need from him. So if you can get him low, get him low. But if you have him, don't be that guy that sells him low. Obviously we're starting Mark Andrews. So let's go ahead and hit the lock him in. Lock him in. It's a lock. Coming out of lock him in, we do have a, a question here. Or maybe it's just mostly, oh, it's just it's mostly a statement. Thanks, Victor, for the statement there. Just agreeing with us about Chase and Burrow and everything else. So let's dive into Lockamins and Raheem Mostert. Now, Mostert got listed with a knee injury today. Whether it's actually a, an injury or it's just them putting something on the injury report right. to give him a day off after the heavy workload he had on Sunday, because there was no injury reported during the game or just after the game for Raheem Mostert. Tomorrow will tell us more, and we'll keep you up to date at Billy MDFF show if anything else were to occur. But he was awesome last week. Chase Emmons might be the third string running back now with Miles Gaskin playing more. Yep. And Mostert, we all know, has the big playability. Will he get hurt at some point if he keeps taking on this workload? Yeah, probably. That's been his history so far. But as you have him right now, enjoy that ride while you got him. The guy I want to talk to you about, Chase, is in the wide receiver category. That's Christian Kirk. So people are really losing their minds right now. They had a wide receiver <laughs> one on their hands the first three weeks, and then the last two weeks, it went down the crapper. I told you guys against the Philadelphia Eagles, it's a tough matchup. He wasn't going to go off in a bad weather game. Now, last week, and this comes to just my observation with people in general when it comes to fantasy football, last week was supposed to be a smash spot. It didn't happen. The entire offense underperformed. It wasn't like it was just Christian Kirk. But when that happens, everyone just loses their mind to a point where they just completely downgrade a player because he didn't smash when he was supposed to smash. I don't think Christian Kirk's an elite wide receiver, but he's still the number one in that offense and getting featured as such the Jaguars are not as bad as what we saw. Maybe they're not as good as what we saw early in the season, but they're not as bad as what we saw. But what is your opinion on Christian Kirk? No, I, I, I agree with you in that I don't think he's an elite wide receiver, regardless of what they're paying him. But he is filling the role that they brought him in for, and that was they wanted to feature him in that offense. He is still going to see the targets, He's still go- and he's still going to be the same player that he was the first three weeks when he got you those points. Nothing has changed down there substantially in, in terms of who's throwing the ball, who's calling play shots, who's, you know, and how they're using him. It's going to happen. Everybody's got a down week. He happened to have two down weeks in a row. 
if, if he has two down, if you get two down weeks and three up weeks, you're doing pretty good no matter who we're talking about here. Don't worry. Don't be the guy that, that sells him or dumps him or puts him on your bench automatically and goes and starts Darnell Mooney over him. Keep playing Christian Kirk. I've got him. I've got some exposure to him across some of my leagues, uh, my redraft leagues. I'm going to keep rolling him out there. He's, he's not elite, but he's still good. And he is their number one, which means he's going to get opportunity and opportunity leads to fantasy points. Absolutely. 100% agree. You're locking in Michael Pittman. He's still the number one receiver there. You're locking in T Higgins. If he plays, if he's good to go, I know last, I I get it. And this is going to probably be the last time I talk about this week, but I know Sunday night was a nightmare. The point is this, he's going to practice in limited capacity all week long. You're really not going to know either way. You got to play T Higgins because until last week he was lighting it up across the board. So I'm not, I can't have concerns there. And then Chris Olave, he's, he's progressing through concussion protocol. I think he will be active and able to play. And he's been absolutely terrific. So uh, any word on those three that you want to jump in real quick? No, I, 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 there's nothing to say. Like you just said, Higgins, you have to play if he's, if he's healthy, if he's on, if he's not on the report or if he's, if he's going, you have to fire him up. Pittman again, too good. They're not going to play 12 to nine games every week. Um, and Olave, yeah, Olave's the new number one down there. He's the new number one down there, regardless yeah. of whether Mike, Joe, uh, Mike Thomas is healthy. Chris Olave, and he has the talent to do it. And if it's Winston throwing on the ball, great. Run far and let Winston chuck it like he likes to. If he's not playing and if it's Dalton, great. Run some precise routes and let Andy get you the ball. All right, let's move into our lookout for players. Lookout for... So look out for Trevor Lawrence. He burned me last week, and I had him as a top 12 play. It didn't happen. Okay, fine. I don't necessarily want to go all in this week against the Colts either. He doesn't typically have huge games against the Colts. But Trevor Lawrence, rest of season, I do believe will be a streaming option more times than he is not. More times than not. The Jaguars will have to come back from behind. I think he will be averaging closer to that 35 to 40 pass attempt mark in a single game for the most part. And that's why Trevor Lawrence will still be a guy that I think you can stream. But for this week, I would stand pat. However, he's not down in my Davis Mills, you know, don't want to play these guys ever list. No, definitely. Like you said, he's in that he's in that desirable streamer kind of tier where if I have to be streaming or if, yeah, if I, if I've decided not to go with two quarterbacks on the roster and I'm only carrying one and it's his bye week comes up, Lawrence is a guy that I want to look for, because like you said, more often than not, they're a better team than they were last year, but that's by default, just because urban's not there anymore. Right. More often than not game script is going to dictate that they are going to want Trevor Lawrence to throw the ball. Trevor Lawrence was drafted because Trevor Lawrence is a good human being at throwing the football they are going to use him, you know, as such. They're going to, they're, they've got talented running backs, but they want to throw to them too. They're going to have to keep putting the ball in the air. Trevor Lawrence is not always going to give you the same game that he gave you last week. Yeah, he is. He's in that good streamer category where he's one of the guys you want to look for and target for your bye week. 
Yeah, Joe Burrow, he comes into my top 10 quarterback. You're likely playing him. It's a tough matchup on paper, although we did just see Geno Smith go off for three touchdowns and 268 yards. So I think as long as T. Higgins plays, Joe Burrow will be just fine. Just don't expect a blow-up game here this week. But I do want to talk about running backs. Look out for running backs. So everybody is trying to, it seems like everybody anyway, is trying to hype up some Travis Etienne right now. Like, oh, look at the last two weeks. He's been playing more than James Robinson. He's starting to get more efficient. Both those things are true. Here's the point that everyone seems to be missing, at least in my mind. And Chase, you can tell me if I'm crazy or not. But both those games went negative game script for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know Houston, again, wasn't supposed to go that way. It was supposed to be a neutral to pro game script for (laughs) Jacksonville, but it did. It did go that way. And that's why we saw Travis Etienne taking over. James Robinson is not suddenly getting fizzled out here. But it's just, it was a game script that didn't go the way that people were planning it. I guarantee you, the next time the Jaguars are a neutral to pro game script, we're going to see more James Robinson than we are Travis Etienne. So if people are buying in to the idea that Travis is taking over right now, okay, fine. Maybe sell him high then based on that idea because it seems to be spreading like wildfire across all platforms. No, I'm I'm completely there with you. I was there with you in the preseason. I, I said all along that I thought that Robinson was the starter in this offense and was going to prove himself to be the actual starter and not just a committee or not just half of a committee. Now, they may things may even out between them a little more than they have been, but I agree with you. I think James Robinson is their number one guy. I think that when they want to actually pound the ball, they're going to want to do it with him. And if, if the game script gets out of hand a little bit, or if they feel like they need to pass more or the matchup dictates, we may see more at the end, but that's been the, that's been the pattern this season so far through five games and through five games, we've got patterns. Now we don't have just coincidences or, or, you know, flashes in the pan through five games. Their, their pattern has been run the ball mostly with James Robinson and bring Etienne in for, for the other work. And, I don't see that changing. I don't Doug Peterson, he knows what he wants to how he wants that offense to run. And I think that I think that Robinson got a lot of undersold when coming off of the injury from last season. He looks like he has come completely back from that thing. And I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. Another lookout for a running back. People might be down on him after last week. JK Dobbins. Look, he was efficient. He was still five and a half yards mm-hmm. per carry. They'll give him the ball more. The Giants are awful against the run. Yep. Yes, they've been good against the pass. They're terrible against the run. I expect Dobbins to get in the end zone this week, especially on a bye week. I'm firing up as a top 24 running back, so I expect him to overperform from what his ECR rank is right now, which I believe is about 27 early in the week here. So let's move into the wide receivers. Zay Jones. Zay Jones is still Zay Jones. He's the guy you're hoping gets a lot of volume second to Christian Kirk. He's mm-hmm. a wide receiver four in my mind. And then we have Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce was interesting last week, but it was circumstance. Ronald Darby went down. Patrick Tan was mostly on Michael Pittman in the second half. They decided to exploit a matchup. What do you think? No, I, I agree with you there. I, he's been getting a lot of a lot of hype this week, and, and he should. Nine targets, he caught eight of them. I mean, he, he had a good game last, you know, last week. But Michael Pittman is still the alpha on that team. Uh, you know, keep in mind that. In the two games or the three games that he played before this, he Pierce only saw uh, eleven targets total, or actually thirteen targets. He saw nine in one game. Like you said, circumstances dictated that. Um, he's a good, 
player. I think that as the year goes on, I think they may find that they can keep him at that same level of usage. And if this team continues to be as lower tier as we have seen them be so far, again, we're five games in, it's a pattern. Um, they may have to throw a little bit more than I think we all thought they would. And if they do that, he could he could find himself on that, yeah, that flex wide receiver three, four cusp kind of thing. I, I think he's got a ton of talent. Um, but yeah, don't, don't go too crazy just because he almost doubled his targets in one game. Yeah. I love Alec Pierce, but his big attribute does gets wasted with Matt Ryan and that's going down the field. Yeah. That, that's one of the issues. So he needs the volume and that usually will go to Pittman. If at all, it can be helped. Uh, feeling, feeling stealer. He's a touchdown dependent wide receiver three. Who's going to eat very, very far distant second to Justin Jefferson. So let's talk about Jalen Waddle. That's why I wanted to highlight him along with side of Tyreek Hill. So first three weeks, Jalen Waddle has been a wide receiver three. The last two weeks, wide receiver 67. What's the difference? Less targets, and he hasn't been able to take one to the house. I don't know if it happens this week with Skylar Thompson. I know it's hard with Jalen Waddle because he was one of your horses very early on, and I still have him just inside my top 20 but I might be looking to see if I don't have a better option, at least with a safer floor, and maybe viewing Jalen Waddle as more of a boomer bust wide receiver three until Tua Tagovailoa comes back. No, exactly. I mean, you're talking about a guy who had 19 flipping targets week two. That right. contributed a whole hell of a lot. If you throw a professional receiver 19 targets, he probably should come down with two touchdowns. He was a number three wide receiver after those first couple of weeks, but like you said, he's not going to see 19 targets a game. He's not going to see 10 or 12 targets a game, whether it's two thrown to him, Teddy Bridgewater, or whether it's Skylar Thompson. And he is that number two. He's the number two on the team. And the number two on the team is probably going to be much more negatively affected by the idea of a Skylar Thompson, your third string quarterback playing, than like we said, a Tyreek Hill is. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill is going to get. He's going to get all of those looks that we talked about. Jalen Waddle, he's only probably going to see more like six, maybe seven targets a game anyway. But if now two or three of those targets are always going over to Tyreek because Skylar Thompson is playing out of his own head, then you know, you've necessarily taken away what we just talked about. You've taken away opportunities from Jalen Waddle. Opportunities equal fantasy points. Lack of opportunity means it's a much bigger roll of the dice, a much bigger crapshoot. I agree with you. He may be a little bit more boom or bust until and unless we see Tua come back at, at some point here. Good question, Victor. Uh, rest of the season, DK Metcalf or Jalen Waddle. It is DK Metcalf for me, even when Tua yes. gets back. If, let's say let's say Geno's not playing at the same height that he is right now. And I do think he comes back down to reality to some degree. The one thing he has shown is that he's consistently getting the ball to those two guys mm -hmm. at a high clip. And I'm going to trust DK Metcalf as the number one in his offense rather than Waddle as the number two on his offense. The way I put it is uh, when I watch DK Metcalf, when I look at him, between his physical traits and between his speed, his skill, the way that he plays the game. He's a, he's one of those receivers in this league that might be a little bit quarterback proof in his skill set and in his abilities. Uh, you know, he's, if he has a better quarterback, he's a top 10 type receiver. If he has a lesser quarterback, okay, maybe he's a top 15 type re receiver, but rest of season, I think he's going to be much more consistent because of his skill set, and like you said, the way they use him in that offense. It's a number one receiver versus a number two receiver. 
most cases you want the number one receiver, but especially when that number one receiver is DK Metcalf and built like a Greek God. Absolutely. So last but not least on this lookout for, for the wide receivers, Rashad Bateman still dealing with the injury. If he does not play, De- Devin Duvernay is a fine plug-and-play spot start, especially in your flex with the way he's been getting involved. Tight ends, Hayden Hurst. If Higgins doesn't go, Hurst is a little bit interesting there to me too. He'll become probably a top 12 tight end if Higgins doesn't go. But the guy we got to talk about a little bit, like everybody else, is Taysom Hill. You know, For me, Taysom Hill analysis is real short. If any Dalton plays, then you can play him as a streaming option because they will go to Taysom Hill at the goal line with those packages mm-hmm. if Andy Dalton's the quarterback. If Winston plays, that all comes to a halt because they're not taking Winston out in the red zone, especially when Michael Thomas is out there. But even if he's not, they're not putting in when they're not grabbing Winston in and out. You don't want to get him out of rhythm. You don't care about it if it's Andy Dalton. That's my simple analysis when it comes to Taysom Hill. Yeah, he's he's such a jackknife, you know, Swiss army knife type player. But when Jameis Winston is in there, Taysom Hill would be relegated more to a traditional tight end role. Taysom Hill does not play a traditional tight end role. He just doesn't. He can do just about anything, but they've got Adam Troutman. They've got Juwan Johnson. They have actual tight ends who can do the tight end thing. The whole charm of, of, of Taysom Hill is that you don't know if he's going to run it even if he lines up at quarterback, you don't know if he's going to suddenly motion out and catch a pass in the flat from a running back. You don't know what to expect from him. Carmen, he took a quarterback sneak last week for what was it? 40 yards at, yeah. at the, towards the end of the game. Yeah. The guy has that kind of ability. He's crazy uh, athletic like that. But like you said, if they've got Jameis in, in there, they don't need as much of that as they do in, with Andy Dalton because Jameis can, can give you some of that. I'd rather have Jameis Winston trying to sneak it in from the one yard line than, than Andy Dalton. Well, if Jameis isn't available, I'd rather, I'd much rather have Taysom Hill trying to sneak it in from the one yard line than Andy Dalton. So he's, he's a tight end. He qualifies as tight end. He's got a great ceiling as we all know, but he's also got a terrible low floor, but what tight end doesn't right now, there's worse guys to toss a dart at if you need to, especially during bye weeks. Yeah, and he is in my top 10 if Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback again this week. All right, Danielle, let's hit the be cautious of. Be cautious of. This is going to take two seconds. You're not playing Matt Ryan. You're not playing Skylar Thompson. You're not playing Daniel Jones. You're not playing a Giants wide receiver. You're not playing Evan Ingram, and you're not playing Irv Smith. And We can just kind of leave it right there (laughs) with that and bring Danielle in so we can go ahead and hit the mailbag segment. We have the drop for that. The clip. (laughs) The mail's here. It's late. It's past all of our bedtimes. It's okay. Uh, What's our first question, Danielle? So our first question is from Travis, and Travis asked to trade Kenneth Walker to receive Chris Godwin. Uh, no. I'm not doing that. Kenneth Walker has potential to be an RB1 the rest of the way. I love Chris Godwin. I do. But running backs, even, even if Kenneth Walker just like wants to be an RB2, running backs are so rare right now. Good ones. It's hard to find them. It's hard to find teams that even have two good ones on their roster. If you were sitting on Kenneth Walker, you are probably automatically one of the deeper teams at the running back position. That in itself is more valuable than a, a and than anything than an elite player on any one position because you have that depth was a big advantage right now in fantasy football. So there's no way I'm making that trade. What do you think, Chase? 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to completely discount it. It's not, it's definitely not a trade just to make a trade. I guess it depends on what your roster makeup is. If you're desperate at, ru- at receiver and you're deep at running back, then you're trading from a position of strength. Okay. And you're going on the name value because right now Walker's the, the big name, but it's such a cool, unique week this week. We don't normally get two shots in the arm like this mid season with Brian Robinson. Now a potential running back one coming out of nowhere because he was he missed the year and Kenneth Walker now ascending to a number one running back role. And they were out there on the wire or you had them stashed all year. We don't get that very often. And like you said, that can be a special, that can be a league winning move. If you were able to pick Walker up this week, or if you were sitting on him and got him back this week, I wouldn't make that trade except in some very specific circumstances. And it depends on how badly you need receiver help. I like Godwin the rest of the year. I had him coming into the year as a number one type wide receiver on my team, but you haven't been using him all year. You know, you get Walker now. Hey, let's go. Yeah, what do you think, Danielle? Yeah, I, I agree with Chase there. I think obviously it does kind of depend on who's on your roster already, but um, if you're good on running backs and you really need a strong wide receiver, Chris Godwin, I feel like is always a pretty reliable option. So. Mm-hmm. He gets I, think you, he gets, I think you he gets can starts. aim higher. I think with right now how people how desperate people are at running back, I think you can aim higher than a Chris Godwin right that's now. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's he's he's the he's the flavor of the moment. So, right. Use that, that. That's kind of that's kind of what I would I would try to use there. Nate, oh, I'm sorry, Danielle. Go ahead. What does Nate want to do? Nate was asking, should I trade Hollywood Brown and Algier for CD Lamb? My answer to this is yes. Yeah. When DJ when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, which is only another week from now, mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown, that target share he's been getting, which has been insane, is, is going to take a hit. How much of a hit, we might not know just yet, but it's going to take a hit. Don't forget, Rondell Moore's emerging as well. And now Jir's a throwaway. Okay, when Cordell Patterson comes back and Damian Williams comes back, I don't know how much you want to touch his Atlanta backfield to begin with. So that, that's just a throwaway pick for me. C.D. Lamb has been everything you want him to be as far as the targets are concerned, and Prescott's on his way back. No, when Prescott gets back, yeah, C.D. Lamb will be a true number one wide receiver again. He's going to get the target share there. He he has all the ability to ascend to that number one level. I had him ranked as my number five coming into the year. I, I still have that kind of belief in him. And I have said it all year. I've said it on my show. I've said it on online in my articles when Hopkins comes back, all the love we've been getting from all of the wide receivers in Arizona, that all goes away. Hollywood Brown will maintain some of his luster, but Greg Dorch has already kind of disappeared because Rondale Moore came back. Rondale Moore is going to disappear when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. And when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, we all know that it's, oh, F it. Nook's down there somewhere, throw it. So... <laughs> What do you think, Danielle? You want CD Lamb on your team? I do. I have him on one of my teams, and he has pleasantly surprised me. So I would take CD Lamb any day. Yeah, I have him pretty much everywhere because I had him ranked as like a top six receiver. So I can't mm-hmm. wait for Prescott to get back. What's our last and final question? Our last question is from Watson, and Watson asked if he should trade Lamar Jackson for Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen. His wide receivers are hurting, and his top wide receiver is Terry McLaurin. So I thought this was interesting because of what his top receiver is. Yeah. And Keenan Allen's not back yet, but you're still getting an elite level quarterback. And when Keenan Allen is back, you're going to get an automatic upgrade at wide receiver. It would be very, very hard for me to do this. I'd probably be looking for other trades to make first. 
But I do think, oddly enough, for a guy like I didn't think I trade at all, it's kind of an interesting value at this point. Yeah, you you got to keep in mind your entire roster construction and where you're getting your points from as your roster is currently constructed. If you're trading Lamar Jackson for Justin Herbert at your quarterback position, that's all well and good. Like you said, you're getting back an elite quarterback for an elite quarterback, but you're giving away seven points per game on average. You have to make that seven points up somewhere else. Is Keenan Allen at your number one wide receiver with now McLaurin being your number two is that going to make up a seven point difference over whoever is your second wide receiver right now? If the answer is no on that stand pat, because Lamar Jackson's having a special year. If that will be the case and somebody of Keenan Allen's caliber, especially because you're doubling up, you've got the stack now Herbert and Allen, but if you can make that seven points up on your roster, sure. Go ahead and make the trade. Otherwise step back and understand that like two for one doesn't, necessarily win you anything it's how is your roster constructed right now where are your points coming from that's a seven point drop seven points is a lot of is a lot of points over the course of the season especially at one position what do you think danielle i would keep lamar jackson because i think we've all discussed it i mean he's having a great season and it's looking like it could be an mvp season for him and he has been kind of going off every week i feel very confident in lamar jackson which i never do which stress says something about him um and i honestly don't trust keenan allen that much he is obviously coming off of an injury he is a great wide receiver he will be the number one wide receiver when he comes back but I honestly don't find him that consistent compared to other wide receivers. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like the injury thing, he's over 30, he's 30 years old now. That That's all very fair. And if it wasn't for Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson probably would be the MVP right now. But that's going to do it for today's show. I hope you guys all enjoy it. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow for the Clairvoyant Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel and on BellyUp.T. Make sure you're downloading us on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you download us on the Foxy Network app. Before we fully get out of here, though, Chase, what do you got coming up, man? Where can people follow you? And thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. No, thanks for having me. I loved it. I had a great time. It's, it's good to be here with you guys. And you can always find me on Twitter at STTChaseFFB, uh, you know, giving my thoughts to the world out there and, and retweeting what I think is important. But uh, you can find me on BellyUpFantasySports.com. Uh, I'll have the Thursday night preview article coming out tomorrow. I I'll do the, I'll have the blitz pickup coming up. Uh, the blitz pickup is basically a usage report every week that I, that I put out there. So you can see, uh, you know, snap counts and, and what, how has usage changed week to week so that you know how to navigate some of these Dallas backfields and, uh, Jacksonville backfields and that. Uh, so yeah, check it out there. And check out the rest of the content there. You can also find me, like I said, Sunday morning. I'll be right here on uh, you know on Belly Up Media with the Sunday morning preview show with Andrew Leduck and hopefully Kevin Wilson. Excellent. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.